Thank you for listening to the Roundtable Consult, where we discuss political and social issues that matter to you from a spiritual, medical, and legal perspective. Join the conversation with your host, Attorney Sonia Madison and Dr. Mark Williams. Hello, and welcome to the Roundtable Consult. I am your host, Sonia Madison. Unfortunately, or fortunately, depending on if you're a consistent viewer or if you're new, my co-host is not here to join us today. He decided, or at least I pushed him, to have a bonding experience with his daughter. So please pray for her, and hopefully she will still come out well and sane. But nonetheless, we have a great show today as we're going to continue our series on mental health. But before we do that, I just want to give you some quick legal updates. Um, First of all, we've got the president and the senators coming together on a brief infrastructure bill so far, at least a portion of the infrastructure bill so far. Some notable things that you probably should know is that it's about $1.2 trillion that is going to take in spending. Some of that, and I think I want to say about $579 billion is, and this is going to be over a period of eight years, for patching highways, for rebuilding bridges, and for internet access. So for some of you guys that want to be able to access the internet in over various interstate ways, this is something that they are looking to do. Now, keep in mind, when we are talking about public highways and bridges, we're not talking about um, state highways. I mean, this is a federal bill, and so you're really looking at interstate highways. So when you see Interstate 285 or Interstate 75, that's really what this is talking about, but not state highways, which that is in the preview of your state legislators. So again, it's very important that you're voting in those local elections as that's more um, you know, accessible, or at least more concerning for you and directly involves you than some of these federal stuff. So other things is that they are giving money to help finance electric vehicle charging stations. This is part of Biden's climate control initiative for all you Tesla drivers, as well as Leaf and and other electrical cars. I'm sure you're going to love that. But that's, I guess, the wave that Biden is trying to get us to go. And so he's trying to provide more financing to ensure more stations. And then he's also in terms of funding on this because course, as his taxpayers, we don't want our taxes raises. He is proposing that he increase the IRS, that's the Internal Revenue Service, um, department or their enforcement measures so that apparently there's at least $140 billion in unpaid taxes. So if you're one of those that's not paying your taxes, do keep in mind this is one initiative that they're trying to use to get some of that money. So you might want to go ahead and get on top of it before they find out and, and charge you even more interest fees and late fees um, for non-payment. And then finally, some of the repurposing of the unspent COVID funds. Um, You know, I'm pretty sure there's still more COVID relief available out there, but um, it it looks like it's going to stop at a certain point. So if you haven't been applying, you better hurry up and get on that. But in the meantime, this is the proposal is to then at some point stop that relief, redirect that money and put it into the infrastructure. Now, Biden has made it clear that this, these initiatives alone is not going to be enough to pass a complete infrastructure bill. He still wants those little nuggets of money for health care and child care and 
um, education and more climate control initiatives in there. So at least one or two of those have to be in tandem with there if, it, if it's going to pass. And quite frankly, if they're not, um, I think a lot of the criticism right now is that the Democrats and, and Biden is trying to pretty much pass a bipartisan bill, which will essentially be a Republican bill, because the Republicans seems to be very staunch against anything that they don't um, feel as a part of their own initiatives or their own agenda. So we'll see if this gets um, passed amongst Congress. Again, that's just among the senators. And so it's us because of the House. House is majority Democrats, and they are going to be very critical of some of these. And so we'll see how that plays out. Then also the Supreme Court looks to be busy playing legislator these days since the legislators aren't quite on their job. But we've talked briefly on the show about the NCAA and the Supreme Court case that they're reviewing in terms of paying of athletes. But now it's important to realize this is paying them in terms of education-related benefits. So talking about ensuring or giving them access to graduate school or vocational school. Um, and by access, I just mean having scholarships. So essentially you get on the team and then your compensation is a scholarship to go to graduate school. Um, the lower court or the appellate court agreed to allow them to receive that kind of compensation, but the NCAA still fought it and said, hey, we should be the only body regulating what we do. And as you guys know, compensation of athletes is a very controversial topic and, and get, we've talked about it before, but the Supreme Court seems to agree with the student athletes and these athletes that came before the court is really football and, and men's and women's basketball players. So not all sports were part of trying to get this um, passed or at least available to them. But the Supreme Court agreed that they should have um, be able to have compensation as it relates to education related benefits. It'll be interesting to see if some athletes try to take that a step further and feel or at least argue that they should be um, able to get compensated even for non-educational benefits, um, which is really the bigger controversial thing. But I think, think that was a good ruling on that part. And then another Supreme Court decision that came out and we've talked about here on the show is free speech. So some of you educational um, or education professionals can probably weigh in on this because I'm kind of back and forth on how this should have played out. Um, but anyway, so some of the facts in this case was a student um, used Snapchat, which is so, if you ever read a Supreme Court decision, which I encourage you to do, it's so funny watching them try to describe what some of these tools are. So watching them describe or explain Snapchat is, is always interesting. But they, the student used Snapchat to post vulgar language and gestures criticizing the school and her cheerleading team because apparently she didn't make the varsity team. They put her on JV and she didn't think that was fair. So she was using a lot of F words. And then I'll let you guys insinuate what exactly that means. Um, but also she was criticizing again the, the whole squad. She didn't criticize anyone in particular, which I think would have been different or, or definitely would have um, changed perhaps the ruling. But the Supreme Court, with only one dissent from Justice Thomas, and again, you know, I, I, I can understand where he's coming from, but the Supreme Court held in her favor because she was suspended for a year and they felt like that was a violation of her First Amendment rights. Mark, are you in here joining us? I am. Can you okay. Yes, I can hear you. I guess when you heard me talking, I was like, I got to get in there. She's talking about some good stuff. Um, <laughs> but, but yeah, kind of, as you're, you're the parent, 
so, you know, first of all, when I read this case, my first thought was my mom is just not the type that's going to fight tooth and nail uh, for yeah. me after seeing that I was suspended for using F words, even if it was on off school hours on, on Snapchat or on some kind of social media platform that's not regulated by the school. But hey, her parents fought for her, said, nope, she shouldn't be suspended for one year, which one year is harsh. I'll give them that. One year is a harsh um, punishment. What, what schools are supposed to do is teach children how to be productive in, I guess, decent individuals. <laughs> and I guess it can in, include what they do on their off time. But, but legally, just to make sure you guys know, schools may regulate speech in school. And they may um, implicate a regular speech if it implicates the school. So basically, if someone pretty much says something that could be spoken on behalf of the schoolers or be interpreted as speaking on behalf of the school, and they can regulate speech that invades the privacy of others. And that's really where the Merker line is: is okay, does this invade the the privacy of others? And and again, privacy, which we can talk about that on another day. Privacy is essentially a judicial standard, not a constitutional standard, because it's not written in the constitution that you have your right to privacy, but that's a judicial <laughs> construct. Uh, talk about critical race theory, which you won't. But, but anyways, so I'm, I'm curious as to you as our viewers, let, let me know what you think about th those two cases. Um, again, interesting rulings on there. But then finally, before we bring in our guests and continue on our, our conversation on mental health, I wanna talk about Britney Spears. So she's been, you know, pretty much under the microscope for the past, what, well, for her whole life, or, you know, cause she used to go to Mickey Mouse Club, but at least for the past 13 years, she's been on this conservatorship and it's a state thing, so it's not a federal thing, but, how conservatorships work on the legal front is that there you can either get a conservatorship over someone's person or conservatorship over their finance. And in this situation, they have, and they being her father and some of her management team, have a conservatorship over both, which is rare. But to, to have a conservatorship over someone's person really involves showing or proving that there is a mental health issue. And typically you'll see it when um, someone is going through Alzheimer's or when someone, you know, has a, a diagnosed, you know, I guess, I don't wanna use the word depression, but diagnosed illness that essentially can show that, hey, this person is unable to take care of themselves or make decisions that's in the best, way, best for themselves. Um, but again, it's so difficult to get over the person. Um, but here is not only over the person, but over the finance. And I think that's interesting in and of itself. And when I'm seeing some of the um, information that's come out, because I know that her depositions have come out and I know that she had a court appearance as well as in combination with some of the stuff that she's posted on social media. I'm not sure if um, the strategy was the same as it would have been a couple of days ago, just with the public um, concern that is brought because um, she posted recently that hey you know I, I know I've been silent for a long time but now I guess I'm, I'm ready to let you know guys know how this has hurt me and when that documentary and I shouldn't call it a documentary but when that um, film that came out pretty much discussing this conservatorship it received so much public attention that I think that may have changed even in her mind or particularly in her mind her strategy 
um, and her approach as this goes forward. And so I'm not surprised if some of these attorneys that are handling this are a little shocked. Um, but nonetheless, I, I think that even for her, I think it's become a bigger fight now that it's become so, so much public. But let's bring in some of our guests. Um, and first we have Stephanie Swanigan. Thank you so much for joining us, Stephanie. And just to give a brief bio on Stephanie, she is from South Memphis and she emphasized South Memphis. So for you Memphis people, I guess that's important. Uh, I don't know if you ever heard of this, um, Mark, but there is Memphis and there's the great state of Memphis. So she, I guess that's part of the great state. Um, she like was born in the 80s or and to two musicians raised by artists afforded her the opportunity to experience a lot of different perspectives online. She attended the University of Tennessee at Knoxville and the University of Memphis for undergraduate studies, received a bachelor's in administration in arts and done a lot of projects within the healthcare and the financial space that has given her knowledge and a passion around health and socioeconomic disparities, particularly addressing mental health awareness and activism, activism, so probably not saying that right, um, chronic disease management and infant mortality rates. Thank you so much, Stephanie, for joining us. And then I also want to introduce Sonona Williams, who has been on the show before, but for all you guys that don't remember, she is the eldest of five children and started her own path of listening and problem solving with five children, I guess you have to. Um, she has earned her bachelor's degree in English literature from the University of Cincinnati and a master's degree in mental health counseling from Walton University. She's a licensed professional counselor and likes to help her clients on a journey through mental wellness. Thank you so much for joining us, Sonona. I'm out here on the lake fishing, so I'm, I'll be listening. So I'm going to drop out and let you all have a wonderful conversation. <laughs> Enjoy Thank your you. day. Thank I you. That quite gave us some mental health ease that you are talking about. We're still praying for Courtney, though. <laughs> yes, she is. She's out here enjoying it with me. So you all have a great show. Thank you. So I want to start, since we talked a little bit, or at least I talked a little bit about um, Britney Spears. And again, I just brought in the legal requirements, but to really show that there is a mental health issue, you do need experts like your, yourselves to take the stand or to talk to a judge and say, hey, yes, this is needed. So from your perspective, and I know you guys never counseled her or talked directly to her, but just from what you've seen, what are your thoughts? And not only as it relates to her mental health, but also as it relates to this court order, which I'm sure doesn't help her mental health, but requiring her to pretty much relinquish these type of decisions to other individuals. Yeah, Sonona, do you want to start? You want me to chime in here? <laughs> yeah, you know, I I come from, you know, the civilian perspective. So, you know, I, I tell people, so I run a nonprofit that essentially connects connects people who are new to therapy to a therapist. So, you know, the first thing I say is, hey, I'm not a therapist, so I'll sit and listen to you. But if you've been in therapy, you know, um, you have to be really careful with your words because you don't want to diagnose people um, and create a codependent relationship with the people who are really the experts. Um, so from my civilian perspective, you know, it's clear that Brittany has been through quite a bit of trauma um, which is something that we all can can relate to in, in various ways. Mm -hmm. And her trauma is compounded by 
the fact that people are benefiting from her trauma, right? Mm -hmm. You know, we see that at a very um, um, kind of personal level that, you know, you say, oh, people are benefiting from me being ill um, because mostly because of a codependent relationship and I can speak personally for myself. So when you start to create boundaries and break out of that, it becomes a problem. Um, now imagine that being exacerbated by money, <laughs> right? <laughs> money and power. And it's like, oh, if you get healed, then it begins to impact my bottom line and my quality of life. Um, and so it's, it's, it's an interesting situation for her to be in. Um, and, um, I listened to a, a little bit of her testimony the other day and it was, it was almost emotional for me. Cause I'm like, Oh my gosh, she's finally finding her voice. Um, and she's finally saying with clear mind, this is not right. Um, I feel like my body is being compromised. My person is being compromised. And she's saying, I want to live differently um so i'm you know i'm hoping the next step for her is um is a life that's going to 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 meet what she really wants yeah and, and i agree with you stephanie um understanding where she was when they first put the conservatorship into place yes she you could we could all see that she was going through some some major mental issues um, but, but as you said, that trauma was compounded and continues to be by her inability to make decisions for herself. And so as a mental health therapist, I look at that and I'm like, okay, so they're telling her you need to get better and you're well enough to work and you're well enough to support us. So she's well enough to make those type of decisions, but she's not well enough to decide if she wants to get married, if she wants to have children. And so I wonder how much work has she done on her own that they're not giving her credit for? Or has she been talking to a therapist? Has she been compliant with her medication? Um, there's a process that she appears to have gone through to take better care of herself. And they're not, it doesn't appear they're giving her credit for that. And so as a therapist, my thought is I, I would like to sit in a room with her and find out exactly what her healing and growth process has been like versus just what, you know, flashes we might see on TMZ, um, you know, where they're known to show the worst of what a person is doing. So we get five second segments and, and want to base everything on those few little flashes. But what work has Brittany done? She sounded pretty coherent to me. Mm -hmm. um, when I heard what I did about her speaking out for herself. And so I would be inclined to say, yeah, let's, it, does she need a full psyche valve to let everybody know where she is? Maybe so, but that should be something she gets to be able to be a party to and um, give her input as well as if she wants to go down that path. You know, you guys have brought up two different or two important points that I, I want to divulge or at least divulge a little bit more into. And, you know, I've, I've often said, and Mark has with me, I'm not a mental our medical doctor by no means, but I'd imagine when we talk about mental health, there's that um, something in your brain that can either be psychosis or can either be bipolar or something that's more scientific. And I, I don't, he told me not to use that, but just it's, it's a, 
very something's going on that then makes your brain act a certain way. But then I think what you guys are more so talking about is what you've experienced that then changes your or has an effect on your mental health. And so from that, seeing that perspective and and you're mentioning that, hey, does she need to heal from that? Um, And as well as mentioning whether or not she's able to make a decision to marry someone. I don't I don't know how you know. And that's what I'm asking kind of you guys. How do you know you've healed, quote unquote, because we're we're talking about someone who, for the most part of her um, child life or non-adult life, has been dictated by either what people have thought of her us as fans um, or as well as management, uh, as well as people making decisions for her. I mean, I, we, we can probably say as a 15 or 16, maybe she isn't capable of managing millions of dollars in finances, or maybe she isn't capable. And, and again, I'm not saying she is or isn't, but that's what I'm asking you. Maybe she isn't capable of knowing she's ready to get married, even though we see divorces, you know, skyrocketing no matter what the age. But from your guys' perspective, and, and even for our viewers, at what point is it like, no, you need to heal, or you are incapable of making a sound decision? What is it that you're supposed to look for to know that that is an issue? So I would say from a mental health standpoint, let's just say, for example, you mentioned bipolar and bipolar is a, it's a condition where your brain is not firing off the way it should. You have issues with producing dopamine and serotonin. And so you may require medication to help you level out from those manic and depressive episodes that you go through. And so somebody who goes in and finds out, okay, I'm bipolar and they're treated with medication and they're compliant with it. And they're going to therapy and learning skills to help them understand their um, condition. So they're getting psychoed, they're learning about their condition, they're learning ways to manage triggers that they may have. That person can look at within themselves and realize, okay, this isn't something I caused. So therefore I'm starting to heal because I'm recognizing that This is something that happened, you know, that was a product of biology, but I'm doing all that I can to take care of myself. And so if that person is compliant and as a therapist who has clients who have been down that path and and years, they're very compliant with their medication, they're compliant with their therapy, they leave normal productive lives. They recognize when they're spiraling into a manic episode or when they're going into a depressive and they take steps to maybe increase their therapy or they go talk to their psychiatrist to see if they need adjustments on their medication. So they are fully in control. And so that's where you know that person is on walking the path of healing. They haven't just learned coping skills to deal with, oh, this is happening to me. So let me just not do this today, but I don't deal with the root problem. So Again, not knowing Brittany's situation, has she done that? Maybe she has. And if she has, she has the right to be able to make decisions for herself. Yeah, that's that's great, Sonona. Um, I want to put stump a couple of things that you said. Um, it's, so, it's so interesting. I remember when um, Dave Chappelle moved to Africa. One of the things that he said was calling someone crazy is dismissive. Yes. So I think the general public, particularly people who are responsible for making decisions for someone's livelihood, 
um, have to do the work to understand mental illness. This is which is which is what's so critical about this conversation. You as an attorney saying, "Hey, you know, this isn't my um, wheelhouse. Let me try to understand." what this means and what it understand understand it from Brittany's perspective, right? Um, I think it's really dismissive to just to say, oh well someone's crazy without really understand chemical imbalances or what it feels like to be the person who is dealing with a with a mental illness, who's ha- who has anxiety or ADHD or bipolar. Um, because, you know, it becomes a little bit of a joke and it's not really a joking matter specifically for people who are living and breathing that every day. Um, And one of the light bulb moments for me when I started going to therapy, it was like, Oh, I want to be healed. Um, And then realizing that that doesn't exist. (laughs) There is no healed. Um, There is a continuum and at some point, I I was in maintenance mode, right? Um, it's almost like you think about as a child, you know, a child begins to develop and, um, you know, they, they grow and they continue to grow and they get older, but you don't really know if it's working until you give it to them, right? Until they're, they, they encounter something and then they have to, like, put their tools to use. Um, and, you know, I, I tell people all the time, when I see people, I see them as the child then, because that, <laughs> we never grow out of that, right? You're a child forever. Um, and all of your experience as a child um, have, have, you know, th- they show up in your everyday life, right? So if you had trauma as a child, it's going to show up as an adult. Um, so for me, I'm like, um, well, get, let's see, you know, give her an opportunity to exhibit if she has grown or if she is healing, if she is in maintenance mode, is it controlled? Um, I think, I don't think people are affording her that opportunity. Um, and it's, it's great when third parties come into a situation who are informed and are experts and can actually push for that kind of change. So um hoping, you know, being able to hear her voice, um, the court of public opinion sometimes really starts to <laughs> move the needle, good, bad, or indifferent. Um, but, you know, um her fans are definitely on a tear right now around making sure that Britney gets help. So hopefully that helps as well. Well, and, and with Brittany, I mean, who's to say, and, I'm, and again, I can't predict, but who's to say this would be an issue had she not been a public figure? Has she, to your point about trauma and experience, has she not gone this path of, of celebrity for most of her life? But what I'm also hearing you say is, and I want to touch a little bit more on, is this healing thing. You know, one of the things that I criticize Vice President Kamala about is that she will get on this platform and say, hey, we need to allow minorities, particularly Black America, to heal. And the reason why I don't like when she said this, because I mean, can you heal if you're still being oppressed? I mean, if your knee is still on me, you're asking me to heal when you're still bruising me. Um, And so even with the Britney situation, I mean, her celebrity isn't going away. And in fact, I feel like 
with this putting such a big microscope on what's going on, we're as a public become even more invested and, and paparazzi is gonna be even more in her face. And so when we're talking about therapy and healing, I guess the question is, I mean, can you grow and not necessarily focus on healing? Can you just focus on adapting or do you need to heal? And tell me what does healing then mean or look like? So from my first, when I first started counseling, right, I got into it with the approach, let me help people um, be able to grow and learn how to deal with their issues. So I would give them assignments. Okay, let's do mindfulness to help you when you're feeling anxious to be able to calm your breathing and to be able to focus on something to stop those negative thoughts going through your head. But what I found was they continue to have those issues. And so then I realized, okay, I got to come at this from a different angle. I got to understand what's causing that anxiety and help them to understand that maybe their anxiety is never going to go away. Somebody who has um, depression or dysthymia, that's never going to go away, but you can learn how to accept it and then ways to help you cope when it happens. So when I think of healing, it's like I have to first understand what is the root cause. So if I've experienced a trauma and I never got to talk about it, I'm continually, as Stephanie said, I'm living that every day. It's showing up in everything that I do. But if I'm able to recognize, okay, oh, here's, here's what happened. I had a young lady the other day say, you know, my mom has never loved me. We've never had a close relationship and, and, and I'm still struggling with that trauma. And then we got to talking and I said, well, who did love you? And she realized her grandmother. She got everything that she needed from her mom, from her grandmother, but she was so caught in the trauma that it didn't come from mom. She wasn't able to move. And once she understood that, she can now heal and accept that the relationship with mom isn't going to look the same as she, in her mind or as society told us our relationships with mom will look like, but she can now stop beating herself up thinking she did something wrong and she can work on ways that she doesn't do those same things with her children. So she's learning how to take and learn from her experience. We don't ever heal. You're right. When somebody that we love dies, I'm always like, you never get through the grief process. It's always there. You're always missing them. You just have learned how to, when you're feeling sad, to allow yourself to feel that sadness and then to be able to smile at the silly memory that comes. So healing is like, you know, the goalpost is always moved. As soon as you think you get there, it's moved again. But growing is learning how to find ways to help yourself when you're in those moments so that you can keep moving closer and closer to that goal that you're never going to attain. Yeah, um, that's great. That's so true because uh, I'm over here and, you know, something happens uh, randomly on a day and I'm like, I thought I was over that. <laughs> you realize that you are. Um, but the, it, I wanted to talk a little bit about the celebrity part of Britney. Um, it's so interesting because we have these celebrities, we have these examples of celebrities who've been able to go dark, right? Um, I, I, I think about um, Anita Baker. So I'm a huge Anita Baker fan, right? Um, she was at the height of her fame and then just fell off the radar because she wanted to focus on um, being a mother and taking care of her family. 
Um, and, you know, I'm assuming that she had the support to do that. It was, it was people in her corner saying, fine, no more fame, no more money that's coming in consistently because this is the right thing for you. Um, and what it appears is, you know, in Brittany's situation, that while she may have some people in her life that are that way, the people that are um, responsible for her legally um, do likely do not feel that way, right? So it's it's very conflicting. It's like, oh, I want the best for you as long as it benefits me. But what happens when the best thing for her means that there's no more fame, there's no more power, there's no more money that's coming in? Because I truly think she could fall off the radar <laughs> if she absolutely needed to, right? And she was leaning into setting that boundary of, um, I don't want the paparazzi around me. I don't, you're never famous, but I, from what I hear, um, you call the paparazzi to come, right? <laughs> you know, they don't, you know, they don't randomly show up at Target. Or you know where they are, so you will make sure to be there. <laughs> right? you, you know where they are, right? So um, it, I, it's going to be interesting to see this play out. I think that's likely what she needs in order to continue her healing. It, it, you bring up a, like a really really good point of um it's hard to be able to do that you know we talk from a civilian perspective we're just like well you know i i don't have you know people recognizing me in public right so i can go to target and be in my head you know i read a meme the other day about like if i'm zoned out i'm having a therapy session with myself in, the, in my head I can have those moments in Target without people coming to me and recognizing me and distracting me. And she doesn't have that. So there has to be some sort of boundary that is set where she can step out of being a celebrity so that she can completely focus on self. Um, but that's going to take not only herself advocating for that, but the people around her advocating for that as well. I know we're talking about celebrities. Let's bring it more towards, I guess, a little bit on the civilian side. Um, when you're, I guess, trying to heal or trying to, I guess, acknowledge a trauma, you know, is it important to really, I guess, talk through and face it on, or is it just more important to, hey, let's talk about how to be productive in this society, how to just go through life, because everything, to some degree, it's going to be hard. It's going to have some kind of trauma. Yeah, so yeah, um, I can, from my perspective, um, that's why it's so important for people to be aware and understand mental health, because if you're doing the work on yourself, seeing Naomi say, hey, I can't do this, you're like, yeah, girl. <laughs> I'm like, yes, ma'am. I have been there. Yes, ma'am. I woke up this morning and was like, no, today ain't the day. I I cannot be superwoman. I need to take off my cape. Um, because, you know, specifically for black women, you know, we are really conditioned to push through, right? Um, and if we aren't demonstrating our superpowers, it's like, oh, you're weak, right? That's why it's so important for us to do the work 
and to get the help and to understand what it means when we are exhibiting vulnerability. That doesn't mean that I'm weak. That actually means that I am exhibiting strength because I am saying I am in control of my life. And in order for me to show up for other people, I need to show up for myself and take care of self. So um, when she takes a step back and um, people will assume that um, she's not doing well, to me, that's more telling about the people than it is about her, right? She's saying, I'm taking a step back for me. This doesn't impact you. I need to get better. And what I'm doing over here, better got nothing to do with you. You know, it's Tabitha to say, that's your business, <laughs> you know? So, <laughs> well, at least for now, because I think it's at least as it relates to Osaka and, and definitely, you know, it's an on the way in. Um, if it's a part of your job, and I'm not saying it really is or isn't, I mean, that's something that you know, the, the Tennis Federation will have to show. If it's a part of your job to depress, or is it a part, if it's a part of your job to do something that causes you mental anguish. And while in the employment setting, you can request an accommodation, but if that's an essential function and you can't do it, then the argument is, well, then you can no longer be in this job. And, and I don't know if that then is what we say to her, because I, I mean, she has, and I know it's, it's hurtful for us as Black women that we have to be strong and we have to push through, but at the same time, we do have to be strong and we do have to push through. And so then do we still encourage that narrative? Because I know to some degree it hurts us, but on the, other, on the other hand, it's so few of us that are in some of these dominant professions that if we leave or if those that are there leave, we no longer have that, that, I guess, person to look up to, to, to get us pushing through. So then, so what then as, what is the message that we then say to people? Do we say to Osaka, hey, I mean, take your time off, but you gotta come back because, and you gotta do these press conferences and we understand it's gonna cause you anguish, but we need you, or do we let her go? And if she comes back, we have to be okay with that, knowing that again, we've lost someone that has allowed or used her platform to to give us opportunities. So advocating for ourselves and setting boundaries, that's part of the problem. I think as celebrities, talking from a celebrity standpoint, they don't set good boundaries in the beginning. One of my favorite who set really strong boundaries for herself is Carrie Washington. You don't see her personal stuff. You see her when she needs to be seen, but then she's gone. So she set boundaries for who she was going to allow to get close and how and how close. As individuals, as civilians, we can do that same thing. Setting boundaries is probably one of the most important things you can do for your mental health. And your boundaries aren't to make somebody else feel comfortable. They're for you. If people don't like them, that's their problem. But we feel like, and especially as Black women, that we have to accommodate everybody. No, we don't. We can say no. We can shut the door. We can turn off the lights and sit in the house and pretend that we're not home while everybody outside is knocking on the door. We don't have to give all of who we are to make somebody else happy. So boundaries, whether you're a celebrity, civilian, whatever, you have that right. And if people can't accept that, that's not your responsibility. It's theirs. Hey, you know what? I want to say it yeah. on that note, too. Um, even if you're the only one in that situation, uh, and I, 
this is to your point, Sonia, where you were saying, well, there aren't very many of us in this in these high power positions. At this point, I think you have to, if you're no good, I think that how they say, uh, like on the airplane, they say, put your mask on first and then assist those around you. If you're drowning, then you have no benefit to anybody else. And I think what needs to happen is that we need to stop putting the burden of the entire race on a couple of people who have been uh, successful and allow them to do whatever part, however great or however small that part is, and move on. And if it gets to the point where they can no longer carry on that role, then we just have to believe for the next one to come along who can fill that shoe instead of putting the burden on you to say, well, I have to get back out there and I have to keep representing for my people. No, there will be another that comes. Uh, and, and if it happens this year, great. If it happens 10 years from now, great. But in the uh, what has to take a priority is your own mental health. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree with that, Mark. It's, it's so interesting, even when I'm talking to friends of mine, um, very astute professionals, I mean, can get in a boardroom and, and rock it. And then when it comes to their personal life, can't figure out how to be strategic about managing it, right? So I think a lot of it is taking the application of what we do at work to our personal life, right? So if I say, oh, I have eight meetings today, I need to get rid of one of them so that I have time to prepare, right, and that I can fully show up. We can do that for our personal life too, right? Um, knowing when is a good time for me to take a break and planning that out and saying, hey, one of, one of the great things that my therapist has me doing now is keeping an energy journal, right? I only have a certain amount of energy to give to people through the week. We made it in the journal. <laughs> I'm like, I got 20 hours of people in me this week, right? So I'm going to be strategic about who I give that energy to, right? So I can still show up and be quote-unquote superwoman, but I am learning how to be strategic about when I do that. You know, oftentimes, again, for us as civilians and for people in general, we like to, I guess, prioritize what we spend our money on. And so, you know, growing up, because I hear what, what some of you guys are saying, particularly if you go into this world of celebrity, I hear you guys say you need to, before you get there, before you transition to this public figure, you need to figure out some tools, you need to talk to some healthcare professionals for, for mental and physical health so that once you're there, you're not trying to react, but you're trying to be, I guess, more structured and strategic about what you put in your space, your energy journal, whatever it is. And so for you guys, what would be the pitch that would encourage people? Because I mean, even when we're talking about people in low socioeconomic classes, mental health is just probably not going to be at the top of their list, even though we know for them, if you're picking between going to school or eating or, you know, that day, as a child, if you're not eating, you can't focus in school. But if your parent can't then pitch you in, a, in, a, in front of a professional that can help you better deal with your poverty situation, 
then it, it's one of your guys hearing you say it will have an effect later on in your life because that is a trauma. There's an experience that you're going to have to heal from or better understand how to adapt for. So, you know, if you wanted to, or if you could give a pitch to people to make mental health a priority, what would you say? Um, for me, um, I, you know, I try to make it as, as simple as possible. Um, do you want to be, do you want to feel good every day, right? Um, do you want to wake up and say, um, I, can, I can take on the day, whatever comes. I have the tools to be able to maneuver through the day, regardless of what comes my way. Um, and um, being able to talk to someone who has no personal stock in how you progress, right? Um, you know, one of the, the first things people say is, you know, I don't have anybody to talk to. If anything, that's what therapy gives you, <laughs> is there's not much that I can't say in therapy. Uh, I mean, good, bad, ugly, I can't believe I even thought that. But being able to say that to somebody, like you're, you get out of your head, right? Imagine being able to say that out loud to another person who is not there to judge you. <laughs> That's the sole reason why I founded the Unicorn Project. It's like, whatever your barrier is to therapy, let's figure out what that barrier is. If it's, I don't care how much money you make. If you say, I just don't want to spend money on therapy, I want to go to therapy for free. Okay, well, let's pay for it. For you to try it out let's let's just see what happens right um or you know i can't get to therapy physically well did you know that you could do therapy virtually you know or <laughs> there's so many options that are out there people think of therapy and they're like oh well, i gotta do all this work i gotta make the appointment i gotta you know get prepared and you know i gotta look good and look cute let me tell you i go to therapy ugly no makeup, <laughs> um, on a raggedy t-shirt, but um, that's the thing, and it, which has been a blessing about the pandemic is so many therapists are now offering virtual sessions, and it's like, oh my gosh, I literally can do therapy from my bed, which is game-changing for somebody who is having a depressive episode, right? They're like, I can't get out of bed. So if I can just pick my phone up and talk to you, um, that's everything to me because you're at this point you are meeting me where I am. So that's the one thing that I would say um, as kind of a soundbite for people who are um, contemplating whether or not they should go to therapy is that it's available and it's available to meet you where you are. And I would echo everything Stephanie said. Say, you know, if, if we get to where we make our mental health the priority, we're so much better for everybody that we're trying to help. So if I'm taking care of myself and my mental health, that's important to me because then I'm able to be there for the people in my life I want to be there for. So I think my pitch would be is give yourself permission to take care of yourself and know that it's okay to put yourself first in these situations. That doesn't make you selfish. That makes you uh, intelligent. That makes you thoughtful and understanding that if, if I'm empty, I can't pour into somebody else. So give yourself the ability 
to be able to process what you need to. And as Stephanie said, be able to pour out ever. I have clients that come in and, and they'll look at me and I'll just say, okay, is today a verbal, a verbal vomit day? And they're like, yep. And I just sit there and let them have it because they need to get it out so that they can go on with their day. So give yourself permission to take care of your mental health. It's not negative for you to do so. It is the best thing that you can do because if your mental health is good, it helps your physical health as well. Mm -hmm. right. And so we're not I just talking about going to get your nails done or <laughs> taking a spa day, although that can help, but you know, actually talking through single therapy. What were you gonna say, Mark? I was, so I was reading this week some things about uh, signs of physician burnout and um, we're, we're good at identifying signs and symptoms when there's a problem. Mm -hmm. I wonder if you all can provide any information about, and I don't know if there's such a thing called a mental health inventory, where that maybe we should regularly check to determine where I, where am I mentally, uh, where am I emotionally or psychologically? Are there, is there a list of things that I can do on a routine basis, maybe even a prophylactic basis to say, Take a moment, look back and say, where am I at? What's my mental health inventory look like? Now, is there a, you know, is there a standardized way to look? Probably. And there are options. But the best thing to do is just what you said. Take a moment. And, okay, wait a minute. If you're like falling asleep, sitting at your dinner table with your kids, or you can't finish a sentence, or you're just feeling like you, maybe you have run too much and your brain, your mind needs that rest. Mentally, you're not sharp. So am I having trouble finding words or remembering things? Am I feeling like I walk out the house and have to go back in 12 times because I keep forgetting to pick up things that I need? Maybe I'm a little bit overwhelmed. Am I stressed out? Is my body telling me that I am, I'm doing too much? Is my heart racing? Am, am I sweating? Do I have this feeling in the pit of my stomach? Are my thoughts running through my head and I can't get a clear one? Those are clear indications that you're mentally reaching that breaking point and it's, you need to stop. But if you incorporate time on a regular basis where you prioritize that, then it, you, you don't get to that point because you are already taking being proactive and saying, okay, I know I need to take the day off and go fishing with my daughter so we can just sit and enjoy each other and relax and not have to worry about anything else that's being proactive, then you don't get to the point where, uh-oh, am I about to have a mental breakdown and I need somebody else to tell me to sit down? You got to be able to recognize when you have to tell yourself to sit down. Yeah, that's, that's great, Zanana. I can, I can um, speak from my perspective of what I do. <laughs> um, one of the things that I do is um, I find solace in, like, complete silence, right? So when I have no distractions, I, my phone is not in my hands, um, and one of those places, um, and I know some people, this resonates with a lot of people, is in my car when I come home, right? I can gauge where I am from a mental wellness perspective by how much time I sit in the car, right? If I get home and I'm able to get out, I'm like, oh, I'm good. You know what I mean? I'm ready to tackle the world. But if I get home and I'm in the car and it's 15, 20 minutes, 30 minutes, sometimes it's gotten to an hour because that's the one time that I have to myself 
I'm not physically doing anything. I am completely focused on myself. Um, that's when I do that quote-unquote inventory. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, maybe I need to do some grounding. Um, maybe, you know, I need a moment to completely be with myself so that I can reset. If you can find that moment in your day that you're just with yourself and is dedicated to being with yourself, um, I have found that it's extremely helpful for me to do a check-in. Um, and that's on top of going to therapy. So that combination of checking in with yourself, right, doing the work on your own, because therapy is the thing. Therapy doesn't heal you. Therapy gives you tools, and then you got to do the work. Uh, so. Sounded like a Yanla. She is just there to help you do your work. <laughs> you got to do the work. There is homework that comes with therapy. So, you know, the combination of those two things of um, consistently setting up time, a time aside to go to therapy and talking to a professional about um, my growth and my healing and then taking the time to myself. That medit- I am not a good meditator. Um, it does not, it don't work for me. I got ADHD and my mind be everywhere. Um, so I can't meditate. But the thing that works for me is sitting in, in the car. Um, so when you find your thing, lean into your thing and, you know, it'll show up in your body. You'll, you'll be relaxed. You'll be like, oh my gosh, I just, I just feel good, you know? And then that's your moment that you can really do your check-in with yourself because you can be the most honest with yourself because you have no distractions. There is one thing, one last thing that I did want to say, and, um, and, and I hope that our viewers take hold to this. And I've learned so much from listening to both of you today and that the conversation, and, and really thankful that Sonya didn't talk much today as well myself. But, <laughs> but what I... What, what you guys made me think about in terms of this mental health inventory is that I think it's not only important to take that inventory to identify when things are going wrong, but I think it's important also for us to take a moment to take that moment routinely to also identify and recognize, acknowledge when things are going right, when we are in a good place and to mark those days because it's easy to forget about those days once you get into the place where things don't seem to be going so well. So mm-hmm. I think the benefit of doing that routine, whether it's once a week, whether it's once a day, once every two weeks, whatever, take a moment, sit back and say, where am I? How are things in life? And if things are great at that point, document that, mark that day, because there will probably come a day when they're not so great and you may need to go back to refer to those. Yeah. Mark is going to take a picture of this moment with his daughter so that when she's mad at him tomorrow, he just keeps whipping out the picture left and right every time he's upset. <laughs> yes, yes. I love that, Mark, because um, I follow, I don't know who all follows, Jabria. She's this child who has become quite a bit of an internet uh, sensation. And so um, I think it's her, uh, maybe her uncle or her cousin, um, who ask her questions and he when she answers the question, regardless if it's right or wrong, he always says, Good job, Jabria. <laughs> <laughs> and I have to remind myself. I have to tell myself, Good job. Good job, girl. You did a good job today. So that's that's so important, Mark. You gotta you gotta be able to congratulate yourself on things that go on going right to get you a reward. <laughs> <laughs> well, 
Yeah, I would say, I guess we'll end on giving Mark some kudos, which is so rare, but we'll let him have it. Before we leave, I want to give a couple of comments from our viewers. Um, someone wrote, families don't always understand boundaries either. As I guess, in addition to friends and employers. Um, and then someone said, good point about the continuum. And someone else was like, she's really enjoying this information that you guys are providing. So before we leave, I do want you guys to tell the viewers, oh, I want you to talk about your nonprofit, Stephanie, tell them how they can get in touch with it or how they can get more information about it. And of course, Sonona, do tell them how they can get in contact with you if they want to reach out. Yeah, so the um, Unicorn Project is available for um, any conversation around therapy in general. Um, just the first step, it can um, be daunting. I have been there um, and on the other side of that, um, so um, you can go to creatingbetterhumans.org to learn more. We are also on Instagram and Facebook as Creating Better Humans. Um, you will interface directly with me. I like to be an open door and meet people where they are. Um, therapy is good stuff. Um, it is the reason why I'm functioning um, and able to show up as my best self for, for me first and for um, little me, because <laughs> I'm always going to be <laughs> little me and I make sure to take care of little me. So um, creating better humans, um, want to make more unicorns, um, and uh, I want people to, to be free. So um, you can contact me if you, you're ready to be free. <laughs> Setting boundaries can be free. It's not a... And for me, um, you can access me through our website, which is pathtochangecounseling.com. Uh, and you'll be able to connect and send me emails and it'll have my number, but I can warn you right now, if you call and I'm in session, I'm not answering the phone. So your best bet is to, you know, reach out right via email because I can respond to those pretty quickly. Um, but pathtochangecounseling.com is the website that we have, and you can go there and check me out. And um, also check out some colleagues. You may be able to see somebody that might be a better fit. And the one thing that I tell everybody is when you go into a counselor, you have the freedom to get up and leave if that person isn't giving you what you want and what you need. Don't stay with somebody just because that's who your insurance company referred you to or your mom or your pastor. You find a counselor that you're comfortable with that is meeting you where you are and it is helping you to grow to be the person you want to be and achieve the mental wellness that you want to have. Well, thank you guys so much for joining me today. And you were lucky because Mark wasn't here. So we really got to talk and oh, share so much information. I'm here. What are you talking about? <laughs> I, do know how to be, I do know how to be quiet every now and then. I'm trying to demonstrate that for you, Tanya. <laughs> Well, thank you guys again for joining us today. And to our viewers, you can catch us every Saturday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Central Standard Time, or you can catch us on your favorite podcast platform. We're on Spotify, Apple, all of that. Or you can catch us on Star Radio as a repeat of these episodes. Until then, thank you guys so much for tuning in, and we will see you next Saturday. This has been another episode of the Roundtable Consult. 
Listen to this or other episodes at your convenience on your favorite podcast directory or listening app. Or catch us live every Saturday morning, 10 a.m. Central Standard Time, 11 a.m. Eastern at facebook.com forward slash roundtable consult. Tune in live and join the conversation.